Welcome back for another episode of the Happy at Work podcast with Laura, Tessa, and Michael. Each week, we have thoughtful conversations with leaders, founders, and authors about happiness at work. Tune in each Thursday for a new conversation. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Happy at Work podcast. Today, uh, we have a guest, Kathy Miller, who's the author of Steel Toes and Stilettos. And Kathy, welcome to the show today. Thanks so much, Michael. Can you start us off by telling us about your career journey and how you landed with with where you are currently in your career? Tell us the story. Yeah, absolutely. So I literally started working in a professional environment at the age of 17. I started as a co-op student in a vehicle assembly plant and immediately fell in love with the sights and sound of vehicle assembly. And I always said, if I could not be a rock star, which I think my day for that has passed, I wanted to be a plant manager of a vehicle assembly plant. So if the truth be known, uh, I never did get to be a plant manager for an assembly plant, but I did get to do a lot of really cool things along the way in my career. I did run a vehicle electronics plant. I led lean manufacturing quality and strategy deployment for a $12 billion public company. And I ran all of Rolls-Royce defense plants globally for a number of years. So I did get to do a lot of really cool things along the way, but on my bucket list that was still pulling at my heartstrings was I always wanted to study psychology. So just a couple of years ago, I applied to Penn and got my master's in positive psychology. And for me, that was life and career changing. So I left the corporate world so that I could work with many companies, not just one. And I started my consulting, coaching, and speaking career with my company, YK2020. And what I'm doing now is working with individuals and teams that want to get better performance results through proven processes, sound leadership principles, and the science of human flourishing. Wow. What an amazing career. And I really excited to talk to you about your next kind of stage, which is authoring a book called uh, Steel Toes and Stilettos, which is such a fantastic title to begin with. So can we talk a little bit about what is the book about? Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to. Thanks for asking. So this is a book I co-authored with someone who became a very good friend of mine, Shannon Carls, and she's now my business partner in our Op Sisters venture that we have. And With that, we do speaking, consulting, and train companies in lean manufacturing, lean enterprise, and workplace inclusivity, which is something we really feel very strongly about. So the book is a true story of the transformation of three plants that we did together, where I was the general manager and she was on my staff as the transformation leader. So it's it's a business book, so it includes a roadmap of transformation and how we converted you know, a very traditional sort of command and control manufacturing environment to a very high-performing and inclusive culture. It reads like a novel, however, for a business book, because the story's told from both of our perspectives. And you also get a glimpse into, you know, our personal relationship and things that were going on 
in, in both of our families through this time together. So it, that's that's the premise of it. I like the writing style of putting things into a story, even though it's a business book, because I find that with stories, people remember more about what you're talking about. So I think that's a really cool format. Let's pivot a little bit more into positive psych for mm-hmm. your place. What are some things that are you most excited about with your work in positive psychology? Well, I absolutely love all the premises, all the constructs associated with positive psychology and found, as I studied about it, that in some cases, I've been a practitioner of a lot of the concepts all along in my manufacturing career, especially related to people, but it just gave me the science and a lot more tools in the toolbox. So one of the things that I'm really excited about right now is I created this 10-session course about helping organizations thrive. And so I'm teaching it to teams of people or groups of people, um, sometimes employee resource groups. And five of the sessions are geared towards an individual's development, character strengths, gratitude, resilience, and optimism. And then the second half of the course is more toward group and team dynamics. And in that, we study goal setting, high quality connections, norm shifting, and what makes work meaningful. So it's such a rewarding course. I love working with new new leaders or leaders in the organization who haven't had the opportunity to develop some of these types of skills or haven't been exposed to the positive psychology constructs. And it's just so great to watch these teams tum- come together and bond because now they have a common language, a common tool set, and some shared experiences that they can move both their careers and their team's performance to a higher level. So I'm really enjoying that piece of work that I'm doing. That that sounds like sounds like a wonderful course that everyone <laughs> should be taking. But I love that you have worked in manufacturing and you know, manufacturing. I've we have I've worked with clients in the past that have been in the manufacturing industry. The manufacturing industry has seen a lot of change, obviously, and we'll see continue to see more change with the introduction of AI and things like that. So when you think about, you know, positive psychology interventions or topics that really work, especially in the context of this like feeling of uncertainty and disruption and change, what are some of the the topics or the interventions that you feel like have worked really well? That's a great question. Thanks, Tessa. You know, manufacturing is changing so much with AI and some of the technology. But some things never change because manufacturing still involves people and processes, you know. So that's always going to be part of a manufacturing company's DNA. But three things that I talk about when I give my keynotes that I think are powerful, they've helped me throughout my career and are helping some of the companies that I'm working with are, first of all, high quality connections, right? And making sure that people take advantage of the positive positive energy that can come between brief interactions. You know, when I had 6,500 people reporting to me, I couldn't know all their names. I couldn't know all of their families and all the things that I wanted to do. But I really took advantage of those moments of connection, whether it was a smile or a pleasant interchange or, you know, just an opportunity to let people know that 
I might not see you very often. I may not get to that plant very often, but when you do, I see you, right? I see you. I acknowledge you. I appreciate what you're doing to contribute to the business. So high quality connections is one of them. The second one is gratitude. And gratitude, all of these apply both personally and professionally, but in the workplace, you know, manufacturing can be a pretty tough environment. There's a lot of things that go on there. You know, every day if you won or lost, because you measure every single thing, every which way is one day. And, um, you know, it's, it's a challenging environment. But the thing about gratitude is when you teach people to look for the good things, they're able to reframe some of the challenges, right? Not every day is going to be good, but there certainly is good in every day. And people really uh, benefit a lot from learning the practice of gratitude. And the last one, and this is one that I really wished I had known about much earlier in my career, is the construct of resilience, right? <laughs> and how I teach the different companies and their team members is there's really power in the pause. You know, a lot of pressure in manufacturing feels like a pressure, you know, powder keg sometimes. And when challenges arise, if you can take a moment to figure out what is making you feel uncomfortable and how you want to respond to that appropriately, regardless of the energy around you, it can be very, very powerful. You know, just taking a moment to take a breath take a sip of water, reframe what's going on is so, so powerful. And it really helps people maintain and develop credibility as well as helps them too, not doing and reacting and saying things that they regret later. So those would be the three high quality connections, gratitude and resilience. They will always apply in the manufacturing world. Can I ask a quick follow-up? Because you talked about high quality connections, which we we when we teach positive workplace at Harvard, Michael, this is always a part of also a, a construct from positive psychology that that we focus on and, and that Michael teaches about. But I'm just curious your perspective from looking at AI and kind of what's happening around the you know, especially in manufacturing, like what jobs are going to be taken and that kind of fear factor that we're hearing from employees right now. Do you, you know, how do you kind of think about high quality connections in light of the fact that people might be replaceable by AI? And do you think that that's actually more about the media talking about it? But from your experience working with clients, people will continue to be at the center of work, especially in, in those types of industries? What, what I'm just curious what your thoughts are on that. Yeah. You know, AI certainly has its place and depending on how we talk about it can really help people, you know, adopt it and adapt to that change moving forward. I think what people need to realize is that AI is helpful because we're having trouble filling manufacturing jobs right now. So. While it may replace some jobs, new skills are going to be required, technical skills that aren't so manual. And I think that manufacturing as an industry is starting to realize that they have to reskill and retool people. You know, someone is going to have to still build the products, program the equipment, all the things that happen. I would also tell you that I work with a lot of smaller manufacturers now. And I think that unless you're a, 
a, a very high tech startup, which some of those happen, I think they'll jump into AI a little bit quicker. And if you're a big company, you know, they're going to adopt it because of the resources, both technical people, all the things. But there's a lot of middle America that is still going to be doing a lot of things the old way for some time to come. And so I think there's plenty of jobs in manufacturing as we go forward. That's my perspective. Excellent. It's, I think it might be anybody's guess what happens in the future, but I love change. So I think it's kind of exciting to see where all this is going to land out. But I'd like to pivot a little bit more towards the the personal side, the, the the Kathy Miller side. What are you working on personally in the positive psychology space? I'm really continuing to work on gratitude. You know, I don't think you ever conquer these things and can't get better at them. You know, really reminding myself to look for the good things when challenging things come up or things that cause you anxiety and resilience skills. Like I said, those were something... <laughs> That have come to me a little bit later in my career. So, you know, even working with current clients, you know, sometimes I got to just pause a little bit, you know, and choose my words and, and reactions carefully. So those are the types of things. And then the other thing that I'm really working on, Michael, is trying to develop a practice of meditation. Mm -hmm. And um, that's been really tough for me, but I'm not giving up on it. I have a tendency because of a long career in in high paced environments of, you know, my mind just starting about what 500 action items I'm going to start with before my feet even touch the ground out of my bed. And so I find that when I do make the time to practice meditation and it has to be guided, it has, to, you know, I got to have, you know, something off my iPhone. <laughs> uh, I find that I'm more productive, more creative, more grounded in the work that I am taking on. So Again, it has, it's one of my weaker positive psychology skills, but I'm working on it. Great. And you, you've mentioned and gotten kind of excited the two times that you mentioned resilience. So I mm -hmm. want to maybe double click on that for our listeners. For our listeners who are like, yeah, I've heard about resilience, but I don't know how to do it or operationalize it. Let's say that someone got a curveball. What would Kathy Miller's advice be to be resilient? Which, what are some things they could actually do? So, you know, of course, there's the book by Karen Rivich and Michael Chate mm -hmm. about resilience. So I definitely recommend reading that. It's very practical with a lot of skills. But one of the things that you have to do is really recognize that you're being triggered by something, you know, and recognize that you have a feeling in your mood, you have that in your stomach, something is making you want to uh, perhaps lash out or go into a mode of paranoia. So first you have to be really recognizing it and then realize that your reactions is your feelings about it, not necessarily what's happened, right? So what is it about what's happened that's causing this physical reaction? And then there's a number of skills and resilient skills can be built, which is what's so powerful about them to, to just take that. And like I said, I coined the phrase, there's power in the pause. So I recognize this feeling. Why is this feeling bothering me? And then how do I get somewhere productive? So uh, I teach people a lot of box breathing, right? So someone says something to you that triggers you, makes you feel bad, makes you feel less inadequate or whatever. Just take that little breath in and think about how do I want to navigate the situation instead of just reacting to it. 
I also recommend if people are going into a meeting that's going to be controversial is to take that water bottle with you and take a sip because that will help your body, right, calm down a little bit as will taking the, the breath before you react. But there's other methods that they talk about in the book, such as reframing what's going on, you know. So there's an example of, you know, the boss comes up and says, hey, can you come into my office in 10 minutes? And, you know, you immediately panic and think, I'm going to get fired, right? <laughs> well, the boss could just want to give you your next assignment or tell you you did a great job the next day or whatever, you know. So it's more our beliefs about what happens than things that actually happen. So just taking that moment to really analyze what's going on and not going to sort of an automatic triggered type place. That is, those are some incredible tips. It's interesting when you mentioned take the sip of water, just to kind of force the pause and I have this very distinct memory of when I was very early in my career, I'm talking 30 years ago, and I was in a performance review and I was with a manager that I did not, we just didn't click. And she said something in the performance review that wasn't true. At least I didn't believe it to be true. It was about an incident that had happened, nothing, not a piece of feedback. And I remember being like, okay, calm down. And I took the sip of water, but my hand was shaking so much because <laughs> I was so angry that when I picked right. water, I was like spilling water, but I was like trying to take that mental pause, like don't react, respond. But, but I was like physically manifesting the, the frustration. And so I think she still knew that I was upset. Because I was, my hand was shaking with the water too much, but I, I try, right? You, you probably didn't say something that you regretted later. I definitely didn't. I definitely just took a few deep breaths and pause and, and just kind of like got through the moment. Yeah. So, but I think it's so helpful because again, it, it's keeping your power to you versus kind of giving away your power. When you react, you give away your power to someone else. And then if they re they have the opportunity to respond in a, in a way that could make the situation quite a bit worse. But when you can really take that pause, I completely agree with you. You have more, you keep your power, you can respond in a way that will help, will help benefit you, I'm sure in the future. Um, right. This has been uh, such a great conversation. As we kind of come to our close, what are some upcoming projects you're working on as it relates to positive psychology? Well, you know, I'm all about inclusivity in the workplace. So you, that's why I'm teaching these skills and, and that sort of thing. A lot of women in male-dominated industries are finding inspiration in the work, but I'm going to be adding to that focus my passion for people with disabilities. And so I'm partnering with one of my classmates, Xaviera Diaz, and we are starting a venture we're calling HIPPO, Helping People Helping Others. So we're providing training resources for corporations and not-for-profits to help support and include people with disabilities through pillars that we've found in the research around character strengths, self-determination, belonging, and mattering. So look for that. It's coming soon to a website near you. <laughs> We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to hear future episodes, be sure to subscribe to the Happy at Work podcast and leave us a review with your thoughts.
Are you interested in speaking on a future episode or want to collaborate with us? Let us know. You can send us an email at admin at happyatworkpodcast.com. And lastly, follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter for even more happiness. See you soon. Bye.